Hi, welcome to The Lens. I'm Bernie Belvedere. And I'm Ryan Huber. And today we've got an excellent episode for you guys. We're going to be talking about the case against Hillary Clinton. Yeah, Bernie, last week we talked about the case against Trump, and we, we only thought it was fair that we, we gave Hillary her, her just desserts this week. Absolutely. And it's not from some misplaced sense of everything needs to be equal. Uh, it's, it's from a real uh, belief on our part that both candidates are irredeemably bad. Yeah. That's, that's the key phrase, irredeemably bad. I would agree. Yeah. So, yep, this is episode two of The Lens. We're calling it The Case Against Hillary. Let's go. Let's just get straight to it. Why isn't Hillary Clinton obviously a better candidate or a redeemable candidate when compared to the dumpster fire that is Donald Trump? I think when you look at Donald Trump and what he brings to the table, you can at least uh, theorize, uh, hypothesize that perhaps Trump, um, guided by advisors that the GOP would put next to him, would come out with policies that are sort of broadly favorable to uh, maybe more moderate-leaning Republicans, maybe uh, hardcore conservatives won't be pleased. Uh, Hillary Clinton on the policy side is going to be intolerable to anyone who holds to a conservative vision for America. Yeah, I agree. I think that, I mean, let's start with the number one thing, and I'm not a one-issue voter, but but I am an ethicist, so I, I value human life. Let's start with human life. Hillary Clinton has allowed the Democratic Party platform to shift from in the 1990s, on, under her husband, the declared desire for Democrats was to make abortion, and I quote, safe, legal, and rare. That's right. Unquote. That is not the case anymore, is it? No, it isn't. Um, I think 90s era Clintons have positions and have quotes that we can mine from that era and, and, and find to be a lot more acceptable uh, mm -hmm. from, you know, from the point of view of conservatives, at least at least mainstream, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, and it seems anything good that we might possibly expect from a Clinton version 1990 has been thrown out of the window. And we're, we're seeing we're seeing someone going even farther left than than, mm -hmm. than Barack Obama has gone and even uh, hugging close to Bernie Sanders on some mm -hmm. Uh, position. So anything that we might have seen that has some redeemable quality from the 1990s, you can't count on that anymore. All right, let's play a little game. I'm going to give you a Clinton 1.0 era policy, and you tell me whether or not it's changed and how. All right. Okay. So Bill Clinton helped set out uh, set up the, or he at least ushered uh, through the North American uh, Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA, which was kind of a revolutionary policy agreement between Canada, the United States, and Mexico that really opened up a lot of trade between the three countries. So yeah. it's been hailed as, as a pretty good thing overall. There have been some lo losers, but there have been a lot of winners. Um, so Hillary's still free trade, right? She isn't, actually. Huh. She isn't free trade. And that's if there is one thing that perhaps uh, would be a, a quality that you could look at and say, okay, well, this part won't be that bad from a Clinton administration. She has gone back on her previous praise for the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, 
which is basically a strengthening of na- the same principles that undergirded NAFTA. Mm-hmm. She has, after saying that it's the gold standard of trade deals, after praising it left, right, even in her book, which is probably ghostwritten, uh, praising it, she is now, um, for political reasons, and it's always for political reasons with her, uh, she's gone back and said that she is not a fan of it and that she would not support it. Mm-hmm. And here's the craziest thing about it. She has said that she doesn't like it, and the reasoning she's given for going against it now is that it doesn't go far enough in certain areas that uh, that she feels that it would need to go. The thing is, huh. when she previously praised it, it had those same features in place. There hasn't been a change since she was for it to now being against it. So Bill Clinton, NAFTA, he hasn't changed his stance on trade. Hillary, up until very recently, pro-free trade, pro-TPP. Now, TPP hasn't changed, but Hillary Clinton has. That's right. And one of the political reasons we can see, one of the political calculations is the white disaffected voters that Bernie Sanders was galvanizing into a formidable voting block. Voting block. Uh, she wanted to tap into that, and she didn't want to be hit from the left by Bernie on free trade. So she he was really able to drag rights. her from the center towards the left on that issue. Yeah, I think I think she was hugging close to him on the left during the primaries, and uh, who knows uh, if if past experience is anything to go by, we, we should expect another flip flop on this issue as well from her. Okay, and like I mentioned before, in the '90s, the Clintons said, "Hey, we want a woman to have the right to choose, but we want abortion to be safe, legal, and rare." Uh, ha- has that changed at all with Hillary? Like, what would her position be today? I think there is less of the rhetoric intended to pacify the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, we've seen, uh, we've witnessed the advent of a far more aggressive Planned Parenthood and other organizations that um, are, are just sort of self-consciously, you know, pro-abortion in a sense that goes far beyond the sort of moral tragedy approach that they used to view it as. Well, yep. it's a terrible situation both ways, but abortion is the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a lot more... Uh, assertiveness uh, on, on the left and Hillary championing that that view where a, a woman being able to have an abortion uh, is seen as 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 sort of paradigmatic of uh, of her right to choose and it's almost something to be triumphed so she's gone right along with and uh, uh, Cecile Richards and and mm-hmm. praised her and and uh, and supported her each step of the way as as, as they've uh, as revelations have come out that they were trafficking in, in, in baby parts, and, and there wasn't even a hint of uh, remorse over o- yep. over that. She she didn't bat an eyelash over that. Well, they're, they're with yeah. her, so she's with them, right? That's basically how it works. That's right. But, man, I lament the political culture that we're in where you can't criticize someone uh, from within your own camp when you feel like they've – possibly maybe even potentially done something that is that is not quite right all we saw from hillary clinton was was you know fevered approval for planned parenthood each step of the way yeah and i think to be very specific in case people are like well hillary hasn't really said that she's pro-abortion she said she's pro-choice well hillary clinton is the leader of the democratic party when you're nominated for the for the presidential ticket for your party you're now the leader of the party and under hillary the platform the democratic party platform, which is a a thing that you put out there to say, these are the goals that we want politically. That's right. Uh, Involves repealing the Hyde Amendment. And the Hyde Amendment basically was passed a a few decades ago, and it says federal funding, although there are some loopholes in it, federal funding cannot be used for abortions. Basically, we can't have taxpayers who have an extreme moral 
um, sort of uh, struggle or quandary with the issue of abortion or are opposed to it. We can't have them having to fund other people's abortions. If it truly is a pro-choice issue, then people need to make the choice. But now the Democratic Party platform says that all women should be able to get, get an abortion under any circumstances and that um, costs should not be an issue. And that's a way of saying that the government should pay for abortions when a woman's not able to pay for her own abortion. Uh, that's my yeah. understanding. Is that your understanding as well? It is. And it's interesting that in the past we've heard, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood defended on the grounds that, um, well, they're not legally able to use this money, which is apportioned in this way. And, and there's a sort of a, uh, a requirement that they not use it for abortions. Mm-hmm. I think this is... Uh, this is a mistake people make when they think that that this actually works. Um, something that is lost in, in in that kind of an argument is the fact that money is fungible. Mm-hmm. So and let's say you gave me a thousand dollars and you said, Ryan, you can't spend this thousand dollars on whiskey. You can only spend it on your car payment. And I said, thank you. I will use this thousand dollars on my car payment for the next however many months. And with that money I'm saving, I'm going to use that other money to buy whiskey. That's right. That's exactly right. So it ends up subsidizing the very thing just in a roundabout manner. So that was already going on. But in addition to that, we're getting the push for full on no loopholes, taxpayer funded abortion on demand. Yeah, that's right. And that's seen as something that is uh, not just consistent with, but almost uh, required by a view of uh, the self that, that, that the Democratic Party in particular uh, and in our modern state uh, as well, um, champions. Radical individual autonomy. Um, if I want to do something, I, I, I shouldn't just be allowed to, but I should have the federal resources to be uh, sort of propelled forward to being able to do that. What about college? I know that Bernie Sanders had talked about free college tuition for everybody, the Clintons of the 90s. I don't think that was even on the radar. I think, you know, Pell Grants and things like that were, were definitely, and student loans, federal student loans were, were definitely things that people talked about. But has Hillary shifted her position at all on what college should cost or, or how to get the cost of college down for the middle class? She has shifted her position. She has come out in favor of uh, free college for a sizable segment of the population. Now, her, her and, and Bernie Sanders disagree on this point. It was one of the few moments where there was genuine disagreement and it was unclear while watching the debates and, and, you know, the stuff written in print, which way the Democratic Party would go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so y- you can look at it as a difference of opinion as to what kind of equality we should strive for. Bernie Sanders, you might, um, and, and I know that th- these are simplifications, but Bernie Sanders could be claimed to, to be going after an equality of resources approach mm-hmm. where everyone is more or less equal in the resources that they have. Yep. That would be his end game if he could fashion society as he wanted. Mm-hmm. So Donald Trump's kids and not just, uh, you know, uh, someone who is really poor uh, should be able to have free college paid for. Yep. It would be part of the cradle to grave institutions provided by the state. Uh, and, and there would be an increase in taxes to pay for it. Hillary Clinton, on the other hand, might favor what we, we, what we might call uh, a freedom, uh, you know, an equality of opportunity, rather. Mm-hmm. And she would want to, for all the poor people and all the people who are disadvantaged, who are right now in the, in the race in life, lapped twice over by, by Donald Trump's kids to start, mm-hmm. um, she would want to 
equalize them, bring them up to the position where they can now sort of evenly match up with those who had more privileges in life to begin with. So she would not extend free college to, say, someone, who, you know, Donald Trump's kids or someone who was well off. And, and that was a real difference between the two. I think both views are mistaken, either way you go, but it, it was nice to see a little bit of variety in, in their proposals. Uh, Bernie Sanders' view is more consistent with some of the Scandinavian approaches to democratic socialism that we see yeah. there in Europe and in other places, and Hillary Clinton uh, just continues, um, if in her eyes, an evolution, and in the eyes of others, sort of you know a, a descent mm -hmm. into even more... Uh, expansive government uh, assistance for for those who are not well off. Yeah, I, I believe I just policy wise, she's proposing free community college at least. Um, yes, that that would be free, and then she's kind of talking about some other ways to to get costs down. Uh, just a general kind of philosophical point on all these Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton kind of giving things away from for free. Um, even if we well, if we had more resources than we have, but uh, they were not infinite. The problem with, with finite resources is that when something's free and you have a resource, let's say I was giving away free lemonade on the street um, and I was giving it out, giving it out, giving it out, what happens is because there's no price to dictate how the supply and demand, eventually there's going to be an end to my supply because people will take something for free. And that, so that's the problem with free college, free healthcare, it, it runs out. And when I say it runs out, I mean, it will be rationed. You have to take it and say, well, I can only give this much to you. I can only give this much to you. And then that rationing is it has to be based on some criteria. Uh, and the criteria is usually um, some statistic or who you know or how hooked in you are to the system. And that's why socialism fails a lot of the time. Uh, because whether it's education, whether it's medicine, um, whether you're old people in Canada on a, in a waiting list or whether you're a veteran, uh, waiting for the VA to get around to you or, or whether you're just at uh, Comic-Con in line for, a, uh, for an event you're hoping that you get in, um, eventually they're going to cut somebody off and say, we're not going to give this to you because we gave it to the rest of these people for free. And that's one of the, the fundamental differences that you and I have with both Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Right. And I think it's worth pointing out that although the left tries to paint uh, a lot of people on the right as being sort of uh, malevolent, um, being unwilling to help those in need. Uh, you get images painted of uh, people who see someone who is drowning and, and they don't even, you know, stop to help them up. Um, I think that misunderstands and mischaracterizes uh, the sort of principled economic critiques uh, that that thoughtful conservatives have made uh, of, ec uh, you know, leftist economic policies. So it's inefficient to, to do that, which is, you know, sort of the, the general tagline of the, of the criticism you were leveling just now. Um, and, I think, and I think we can say, we can say some more also about how those, those policies just haven't worked. We've, we have example after example. Um, Venezuela. Venezuela most recently. Um, you know, the historic examples of the 20th century. Uh, it's just, it's, it's not the best way to organize society. But beyond that, um, it it harms the the entrepreneurial spirit mm -hmm. that that has led to so much success in the United States. Um, now there is a there is a very real um, gap between the the, the, the very wealthy and, and those who you know who who don't have uh, means and and who are struggling you know living paycheck to paycheck. But I think the right can offer an alternative 
that doesn't involve the government becoming um, a mother or father just doling out an, a, an allowance and the and, and the relationship just being understood on that level. Yeah, but and rather, I think I think the yeah. the alternative is is better not just because we're opposed to big government in principle or we think the government's coming to take our families away. It's because of this. And uh, Ben Dominich from The Federalist has said it very well. He says it a lot. Um, only big business can afford big government. So only crony capitalists, only people with connections, only people with money and lawyers and accountants, only people with lobbyists can handle tons of regulations, tons of government programs, tons of papers and forms to fill out, tons of taxes, loopholes, tax codes. The, the little guy who's trying to sell, you know, fruit on the street in my neighborhood in Los Angeles, the only reason he's able to do that is because he's doing it outside the law. <laughs> like he's, yeah. he's making money supporting his family, doing it, hoping he doesn't get busted by some, by some tax man that comes and, and takes away the money he's trying to scrape together. So you and I are for the little guy. Uh, and, and part of the reason that you and I are skeptical of Hillary Clinton is not just because of her policy shifts, but because she seems to be leering sort of, leftward she seems to be kind of falling off the ditch into the left so that she, she's not even representing what clintonism used to represent which is kind of a centrist third way uh, new democrat party she is becoming more and more like bernie sanders and we know that those socialist policies don't work even some of the scandinavian countries that kind of went that way hard uh in the mid uh, 20th century they've had to course correct in order to get their economies going again so that they can even afford uh, some of the programs that they provided. Germany's had to do something similar. So we know that these uh, these policies, if they work, they only work for a while, for a little while, and then the damage that they do is sometimes irreversible, as we've seen in Venezuela. But, but to get off just the policy positions, I want to ask you, okay, so let's say we disagree with her on policy. She shifted positions. Are policy positions the only reason why you hesitate to vote for Hillary Clinton? No, absolutely not. And this is going to sound like a redux of the last uh, Lens episode, our first Lens episode, where we really hit Donald Trump hard on these character issues. But it just so happens, and, 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 and Ryan, you were telling me the other day about sort of an idea you were having about how these candidates somehow mirror our society. Mm -hmm. we, are, we are seeing uh, uh, the two major parties put forward uh, the candidates who are just absolutely untrustworthy yep and 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 it's just it, it's amazing how we've gotten both in one election uh but but here we are i don't think hillary clinton is any better in 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 the integrity department and let's be Donald very Trump. specific hillary clinton told families of dead soldiers and an ambassador that their families died because of a YouTube video that there was a that there was a YouTube video that was so offensive she explained to them that these people uh, in Benghazi just had to respond to defend their religion and their culture and murdered Americans but that wasn't the case as we now know think about prioritizing uh, a political message that she above. knew was not true that we now that, know that's that right that's right that she knew wasn't true but it would f score better politically uh, think about prioritizing that rather than telling the truth to the families of these dead Americans in Benghazi. I mean, that has to that that has to be sort of political manipulation and calculation of the highest caliber. Yeah, and I'll agree with Marco Rubio when I say that disqualifies someone to be commander in chief when they purposefully lie. 
to this, the families of dead soldiers for political gain, knowing that they're lying. Absolutely. Like we, Absolutely. we were pretty harsh with Donald Trump. I wrote a whole article about how Donald Trump's bad at politics because he went after, uh, meaning he criticized the family of a fallen soldier. What's worse, criticizing the family of a fallen soldier for being Islamic, that's pretty bad, or lying to their face about the reasons why their loved one passed. Yeah, they're they're both really bad. Yeah, there's no and, good there's no good options there. Absolutely, and and Hillary Clinton. This is one of many many ways in which her her approach to foreign policy and her decisions while operating in, in a leadership capacity, you know, in foreign policy positions has just been uh, very very disappointing. Now, Bernie, you you share a name with the senator um, from Vermont. Um, mm-hmm. But are you, Bernie, sick of hearing about Hillary's damned emails, or, or or do you think that that's still a live story? I think it's still a story only because the media hasn't grappled with the extent to which this really and truly represents a major character defect. I, I, if it wouldn't be a story, I think we could bury it if uh, real political fallout would happen to Hillary Clinton. But she she glides over it, man. She's mm-hmm. she's Teflon. She nothing really hits her, and and for that reason, all of these issues, uh, it seems like conservatives beat a dead horse. The reality is, uh, she's been able to avoid any kind of uh, blowback from them, and perhaps that's partly because it's Donald Trump on the other side, and yeah. you can't gain momentum against her if if you know your candidate is also saying you know insane thing after insane thing, calling on the but, Russians to hack her emails. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I, I don't think she has received the the fallout that that her actions have deserved over this, and so that's why it's still it's still an issue. I mean, we're talking about someone who is so secretive, so anti being transparent that she not only had a personal server host all of her emails, which is against you know the code mm-hmm. uh, against the law. But she also then had a campaign of just lying about it and and dissembling and just giving justification after justification until uh, the FBI director just laid it all bare. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was you, beautifully compiled mm-hmm. uh, in a video that, that you put together uh, just showing, it, and not just conjecturing, but showing uh, Director Comey's words and, and Trey Gowdy's uh, questions and Hillary Clinton's own uh, statements just to show that there is lie and then there is exposure, lie and exposure back and forth. Yeah. And I would say if you, if our audience, if our listeners are interested in seeing the concrete lies and then seeing them exposed by the director of the FBI and by, by uh, Congressman Trey Gowdy, it's undeniable that, and, and I don't like using this word, but it's undeniable that this, this woman, the secretary Clinton is a liar She's a liar. And we put that video together not to tell people, hey, look how slimy it is, but to tell people this is undeniable evidence that she is not someone who tells the truth publicly if it doesn't suit her. That's right. And you know what's uh, saddest of all, Ryan? I hear from, from some corners that her ability to lie and get away with it is actually a mark in her favor. It's a political virtue. She is able to say what needs to be said, do what needs to be done to be able to get the right view, uh, you know, approved or the, the right decision made. Mm. And that, that, that's how 
that's how corrupted our political culture is. That's what we ethicists call a purely teleological ethic, meaning ends justify the means all the way. As long yep. as you get done what you want to get done, do whatever you have to do. She is one of the more Machiavellian figures that we've seen in, in modern uh, politics. She reminds me a lot of Richard Nixon, actually. Yeah, that's right. And she's if, if the media thinks that she's going to give them a pass, it, that's not going to happen. She's one of the most elusive kind of anti-press conference politicians that we've ever had. So let's sum up the argument thus far, and then we can put some whipped cream and cherries on top of it. So shifting policy positions... Uh, harmful policy positions, sliding towards the left, becoming more extreme, uh, lying to soldiers and their families for political gain, gain uh, exposing state secrets for personal convenience, covering that up and lying to the public about it uh, in, in a bald-faced way. Uh, is there anything else that our listeners should know about Hillary yeah. Clinton and about why we're not voting for her? I'd like to mention one thing, and I think it goes to the heart of who Hillary Clinton is. Now, there may be some qualities to her, uh, you know, that uh, that are good. Um, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that she is rotten to the core or anything insane that you might hear on on the mm. you know, the farthest reaches of the of, of the right wing blogosphere. Yeah, she's a human being, so she probably has good and evil like the rest of us, like you. And absolutely, like absolutely. But one thing that struck me as particularly. Uh, representative of, of the kind of person she is is during the 1990s when it was revealed that bill clinton um just had just had a lot of fun on the side you feel me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um she she attacked the credibility of the women coming forward yeah and 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 her statements were decisive and they were ruthless against these women mm-hmm. um the way that an attorney might try to shatter the uh, the credibility of a witness that you know they need to they need they need to sort of put down, um, and you fast forward to today, and Hillary Clinton has suggested that women should be believed whenever they raise a concern about how they've been treated by by a man, specifically uh, in the context of rape. Uh, it, it's it's very interesting uh, that when it was beneficial to her politically speaking to come out against these women mm-hmm. in a vicious manner that she did so. But now, when the, when the winds of culture have changed and it's become extremely important to not in any way suggest that someone who claims to have ha- been violated or in any way uh, mistreated to, to in any way challenge that, she is now singing a different tune. And, yeah. and what's the common denominator with her actions? It's always, it's always, always whatever is politically expedient for her to do you take a look at any position she's taken uh and and she does the politically expedient thing but i bring this case up in particular because there are real women who were whose reputations were trashed maybe even a situation where there is a rape involved that that was silenced because it was just the politically expedient thing to do to 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 not uh believe that woman and those other women Mm -hmm. And, and and now you know, there are women who there are there are men and and the, and women who are harmed through this new culture that uh, that she is promoting, and that doesn't matter. All that matters is that she scored points politically speaking. That's the vibe I get from her, and I'm trying not to be overly cynical about yeah. her, but but all of her actions seem to declare that that is her guiding motivation for all that she does. Am well, I wrong? Why eighty percent of Democratic primary voters didn't feel like she was honest? That's Democrats. Yeah. That's Democrats. 
They're like, well, no, she's not honest. So, so that's okay. So that's established. Personal character X, policy positions and shifts X, uh, veering towards the left, being less and less mainstream X. Here's my final concern. I'll bring it up and then I'll give you the final word. It's the, my final concern is, is complex, but I'll try to I'll try to sort of form it into a recognizable form. Her tenure as Secretary of State combined with clandestine activities performed through the Clinton Global Foundation not only raise dozens of red flags about conflicts of interest, but also show us that she doesn't have the qualifications as a leader to get a promotion to commander-in-chief. Mm-hmm. And I'll unpack that a little bit for you. Almost every area of the world is in worse shape uh, in relation to U.S. interests than it was when she took over as Secretary of State. She helped set up the Iran deal. She didn't make uh, Russia and Putin a priority. She agreed with Barack Obama on some of his most dangerous and naive foreign policy positions. Um, She uh, didn't label Boko Haram a terrorist organization. And all of those things are linked not only to... Barack Obama's naive foreign policy, um, but also to Clinton Foundation donors. Almost every action that she took as Secretary of State, there is some kind of huge donation that you can kind of draw some lines in between. Now, maybe some of those aren't true, but some of them, I mean, you would have to be pretty naive to believe that not labeling Boko Haram and then the large gift of money she received from, I believe it was a Nigerian businessman, but I could be could be mixing it up. I mean, there are there are copious amounts of articles on some of these shady deals, these shady connections. Huma Abedin working simultaneously for the State Department and the Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Foundation takes in millions upon millions upon millions of dollars a year. Uh, they use a lot of it for administration. That is salaries. That is promoting certain things. It is to be uncharitable a slush fund. Yeah. It is a large organization that serves as a funnel for money into the Clintons and out of the Clintons. And when you combine that uh, with Clinton's kind of going after Wall Street uh, after making, you know, $250,000 speaking in front of Wall Street bankers, it continues the trend of her saying one thing, doing another, saying one thing for political expediency, and not really advancing the interests of the United States of America. If Hillary Clinton had to choose between advancing Hillary Clinton's interests and the interests of the United States of America, I am skeptical that she would choose the latter. Absolutely. And my final point is, is you know, rides off the end of what you were saying there. Uh, perhaps the worst aspect of Hillary Clinton is her uh, foreign policy decisions and her foreign policy approach. And that's really glaring considering that she was Secretary of State. So she yep. was for uh, the war in Iraq, um, and she didn't she didn't own it the way that others have as well. So when it was brought up in a debate that she, you know, she not only voted but she agreed with uh, the disastrous, uh, you know, Bush line about how, um, and, and this was proven false, that Hussein was you know harboring uh, Al Qaeda operatives. Um, she she when she was when it was brought up in a debate that she did that, she pivoted and said, well, Barack Obama certainly thought I had the credentials to to lead our nation's foreign policy department. Um, and that strikes me as uh, 
simultaneously a character issue where she's unable to uh, come to grips with a terrible decision, uh, an absolutely terrible decision, globally speaking and for the United States in particular, but also her, um, you know, her character. That yeah, you could add Libya and her approach to Libya yeah. on, on the stack of failed foreign policy experience. And the reason why I brought uh, that up is because at least Barack Obama's foreign policy isn't Hillary Clinton's. Uh, I, I I don't like either approach, but I'll take Barack Obama's, uh, you know, every day of the week over Hillary Clinton's. That's my final word on on her foreign policy. All right, well we'll have to leave it there. So the reasons once again that Bernie and I are not going to be able to vote against Hillary. The case against Hillary. Character, policy positions, shifts to the left, experience, uh, negative experience, we believe, um, or record as Secretary of State. Um, when you combine all of that with just just a pattern uh, of putting herself before her country, a pattern of not looking out for the people uh, that need help unless it's politically expedient. Uh, these, all these things combine, uh, and, and some of the, the policies that she is sort of propounding would be disastrous for our country. All of this combined makes me say, I cannot vote for Trump, but I also cannot vote for Hillary. But, uh, but Ryan, um, you know, what do we do? We just, we just brought two cases against the major candidates. What's, what's going on here? Is, is there anything left to look at? Well, next week we are going to be discussing perhaps the, the great libertarian hope, your friend and mine, naked guy in a hot tub, former governor of New Mexico, Gary Johnson. Ooh. Yes, that's right, Gary Johnson. And we'll be looking at his libertarian bona fides, how he's been conducting his campaign, his, uh, his running mate Bill Weld, and, and what kind of the libertarian response has been to some of his articulations uh, of the issues. So next week, episode three, um, we will be coming to you Ryan, uh, with a, an appraisal of Gary Johnson. Yes, sir. Can can we drop that podcast next week on Tuesday at 4.20 p.m.? Yes, <laughs> we certainly can. Just you tell me what time zone. Maybe we should align it to Colorado or Washington. Perfect. But yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's drop it, for, it on let's 4.20. Let's do it for Johnson. Let's do it for Johnson. All right, guys, that's been uh, The Lens Episode 2. This has been Ryan Huber. And Bernie Belvedere. You'll hear from us next week. Bye.